I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... I was the first person in line to pitch, so they actually said you have 10 seconds to pitch to Pharrell. And I said, wow. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. I'm Mark Walsh, and it's What's Working in Washington. Today, we're joined by Saba Shibaka. Saba is the founder and CEO of Rendered, which is a sustainable, consumable product company with fashion as well, made from sustainable raw materials. Pretty cool. Saba is a University of Maryland grad who started her business with pop-ups. It's a whole new way for e-commerce to turn into real commerce. What's interesting is she got the recommendation and support of Pharrell Williams. Yes, the Pharrell Williams, who has something called Something in the Water. It's a festival right here in the DMV that he has sponsored. So Saba is an example of a DMV entrepreneur in sustainability with a real interesting twist. Here's our conversation. Saba, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited. So a great journey uh, to where you are today. And we'll get into, uh, and you can tell us where, tell our listeners where to see it in the web, your recent interaction with Pharrell, which sounds like a tremendous endorsement. How did you decide to start Rendered? And what is the product and service that Rendered does every day? So I started Rendered in 2018 when I was in college at the University of Maryland. And it really started out of my love of thrifting. I would go to the thrift store all the time um, out of need, not necessarily want. (laughs) But I was able to, you know, develop an eye for some really unique clothes. And I also found clothes that other people liked. So that's really where my business started. I started uh, with a curated closet. And now what Rendered does is we sell custom apparel. And we also sell accessories that help people live a more sustainable life. Wow. So is the apparel or the accessories, is it made from sustainable products or what, what, what are some of the features that make it sustainable? Definitely. So our accessories are made out of sustainably sourced materials. Uh, our main accessory is our utensil pack, which actually includes a fork, spoon, and set of chopsticks. And it's made out of wheat straw. So it is 100% Sweet. compostable. So Love it is it. sustainably sourced. Yeah. We also sell straws that are retractable. Um, that's actually made out of uh, stainless steel metal, but... It's is quality, so it'll last. So that's kind of what we um, imagine when we're saying sustainably sourced and sustainably made things that are of quality and can last. When you were at the University of Maryland and you were rehabilitating clothes and finding value or discovering and creating value for them for your colleagues or classmates or whatever, what was the moment where you went, I picked that up for two bucks at a at a used clothing store and I turned it into something worth a lot more than two. Were there specific examples or how did this come about? Yeah, definitely. There are specific. uh, I call them cops. You know, you you, you make a good cop from the uh, thrift store. I would just start doing research. (laughs) Uh, When I first started going to the thrift store, I would just go off of like what I thought looked best. But after I decided to make it a business, I would just, you know, be on Google researching while I was in the store, looking up different brands, different designers. And I saw my one first big example was a pair of boots. And uh, I just thought they were so cute. It was actually pink pair of boots. I don't even like the color pink. But after I looked it up, I saw that they were actually still on the website of the designer. 
and they were selling them for $800. What? Yeah. Okay. And so that was in the thrift store, and it was only $50, which is still kind of expensive for the yeah. thrift store if you think about it. So I had to sit there, and I had to think, like, is this an investment that I would like to make for my business? And I decided to say yes. And um, I actually didn't sell those shoes immediately because I didn't think that would be the best thing for the business. When I had pop-ups or tabling events, which I made sure to do once a month, I would always have them on display because it would be an eye-catcher to people. So choosing to make decisions like that, both making the investment to get them, but also not selling them immediately, incorporating them into my photo shoots and different things like that, that's kind of what helped me um, decide how I wanted to shape and focus my business. From 50 to 800, I I, I, I didn't sell it for 800, but no, yeah. No, no, yeah, I, no, I know, no, I get it, but, that, but the Delta that you saw. Yeah. So t- talk to me about pop-ups. Uh, that seems to be um, a feature of retailing that is real vibrant. And, you know, I'm, Clearly, I'm older than you, and I don't remember ever being in the pop-up world. I mean, I would go to stores, right? It seems like COVID or maybe the features of today's retail behavior for consumers is encouraging pop-ups. Are you seeing a lot more of that sort of version? You you do it yourself, obviously. Yes. Uh, ever since the beginning of my business, um, right after I officially uh, got my LLC, I actually dedicated myself to doing one pop-up a month for six months straight. And this is back in 2018. I was a college student, didn't really have any money. So I would literally just take my bin full of all of my inventory and I would create my own pop-up at different public places on campus. And so I would go to the library. I would go to student center, stamp student center, union, and different things like that. But how that's kind of shaped and what I consider pop-ups today is uh, – it's, it's honestly, you're looking at your business. I have an e-commerce brand. It's 100% online. I don't have a brick-and-mortar store. So how can I look at my e-commerce business and pull the pros out of not having a store? Okay, I don't have to pay rent. Um, utilities don't have to pay someone to manage the store. But there obviously are pros to having a brick-and-mortar, i.e. people being able to visit you all the time. I do dream of having a brick-and-mortar, even if it's a little... Uh, little just storefront. Yeah, boutique, because I want people to be able to come through, especially my accessories, if they need to pick up 10 utensil packs, they need to pick up 20 reusable straws for an event, they can just come and they can pick it up. We'll always have it in stock. But the benefit of the pop-ups, I will say, is the diversity of people. Every single time that I table, I know that I'm meeting someone that I wouldn't have otherwise met because if I didn't go to this pop-up, I would be in my house working or I would be doing something else. So it's kind of like the immense opportunity to network and then also uh, being able to take the brick and mortar piece of it, the point of sale and um, having customers see your things in person. And um, you can basically do that all the time. I do it every single weekend. I I pop up now. So So for our listeners, uh, University of Maryland's Stamp Student Center, which I know quite well, having spent a lot of time on on the campus, Tell us what it's like in front of the Stamp Student Center for those who have not been to the campus. Tons of people. I mean, it's where Tons the, of it's, people. all the food on campus is right there. So there's only two main entrances, and it's it's both on the front side. There's a designated space that they allow people to set up. Um, you do have to go through some... Uh, permitting or yeah, whatever. Permitting. Yeah, permitting. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, it's not too hard. And also knowing about other clubs on campus, um, business-related clubs, they host events both inside Stamp and outside Stamp. So... Visibility has always been the biggest thing in the first couple of years of my business. And so taking opportunities like that outside of Stamp has been like one of the biggest um, benefits. Like I know in that six month period when I was doing the pop ups myself, I grew 500 followers organically just by giving information about sustainability out to the people that were passing by. 
and just stopping them and just giving something that would benefit them. Um, so, yeah. So sustainability is one of these terms that gets sort of stretched to a whole lot of places that maybe originally it wasn't meant to do. You were clearly at the genesis uh, when you started your, your entity, you were finding things that had been effectively abandoned, creating value in them and re and re repurposing them, which is a tremendous element of sustainability. Now using sustainable uh, raw material to make things that people use on a regular basis with your utensils and stuff like that. What's your sense of the overall sustainability market? My personal opinion is, and I'll, I'll telegraph this to you, sometimes it gets a little bit um, twisted in places it really doesn't deserve to be. I mean, sustainability is kind of a hip word or it's a, it's a marketing ploy sometimes. Are you seeing the word or maybe the effort going places or being, being used by marketers in ways that it shouldn't be? Absolutely. Yes. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> yes, we do agree. I want to see tangible, um, you know, sustainability methods. I don't want to hear any promises, you know. Yeah. And I do have to call out some of the larger giants right now, like the people that make promises like Nike and Adidas. They and um, even H&M, you know, they're making promises to their customers that by 2050, 50 percent of the carbon emissions um, will, will be decreasing, things like that. Those are not those are like promises that can be broken. Yeah. I want to see tangible methods. I want to see shoes that are made 70 percent out of recycled materials. Um, I don't want to I don't want to have any promises. So every time that I hear any like uh, future promises or anything like that or commitments, even it, I just know that I have been lied to by large companies in the past and um I would rather see them use the methods in their everyday in their everyday materials. So I think the cynicism you express, which I share by the way, is clearly deeper in younger consumers today, those twenty eight and below, yeah, than than any ever before. And I think it, just just to continue on your point, these companies deserve that cynicism. They've sort of begged for it by not keeping their promises. Are there some companies you find are a little better at this than than, than others? I mean, you mentioned some that you feel. Or maybe on the edge. Are there are there some that you find valuable? Definitely. Um, I think that the best way to go is small and local. So yeah. I do have to point out some of the smaller brands that I love. There's one brand named No Sponsor. That's actually um, built out of a Bowie State student. And um, I met him and I saw the brand for the first time at a pop-up at the University of Maryland. Excellent. But something I love about the sustainability of their brand is when they say no sponsor, they're not they're not playing. They actually don't put any tags or branding on their apparel. And I love that about them because that makes it timeless. It goes against the trends. And um, in, in addition to that, they have the best quality. So even though it doesn't have some of the best quality, so even though it doesn't have their brand on it, you could tell, oh, that's a nice, vibrant shirt. It might be from this place. And then you might want to go up to the person that's wearing it and ask them more. So it's also serves right. as a conversation started. Yeah. And so that's that's one way that people can be or brands can be more sustainable. Another small brand from the DMV, Zella Fermani. I love it so much. Say, say it again. Zella Fermani. Okay. And um, I've been wearing clothes from them for like four or five years as well. And the sustainability, uh, the sustainable part about them that I love is the small drops and limited edition like releases. So I know that in 2020, I got a pair of shorts from them. I loved it so much. And that's not necessarily available right now to order on the website and uh, or really anywhere. You can't really get it anywhere. So that increases the value. And by increasing the value of the apparel that you're giving out to people, that's kind of shifting the paradigms of how they're thinking about clothes. And um, like, oh, let me treat this piece of item better because I'm not, I, I can't just go and buy another one immediately. And so... 
Nice. Those are two brands. Take that, care of it. Yeah, sustainable methods that I really appreciate. We're talking with Saba Shibaka. Saba is the CEO and founder of Rendered. Talking about interesting, not boutique, but interesting sort of small batch creation of things that have value for people. And it seems like a lot of what we're talking about ends up being word of mouth. Is that an element of your experience as a creator, a marketer, uh, as a brand, people talking about it to each other? Or are there other sort of e-commerce-y things that you can do or both? I mean... I'm very resourceful, you know. I, I'm sensing that, Saba. <laughs> I'm going to use what I got around me. Yeah. So, yeah, when I first started making clothes, custom apparel even, I definitely was using literally from the inventory when I was buying and selling clothes in the thrift store. Um, just a little context. My first time making clothes, I was making face masks, and that was out of my apparel um, that I had bought from the thrift store. And so that was as crafty as could be. I literally taught myself how to sew on YouTube, didn't take any classes, and I was using only the resource that I had. And the sewing machine, I borrowed it from my aunt. So it's like literally just using everything that I have. So when you say, uh, how do you get the word out? Word of mouth is, is what we have. It's one of, my best, um, one of my best skills. One of the things I love about myself most is, is how I can speak and how I can articulate. So yes, I do use word of mouth primarily. That's how people find out about my brand. I'm always wearing my own products. So like right now, this is from my newest um, collection that I'm dropping later this month. And even inside of uh, wearing my clothes, I always make sure to talk about it so people can know. Um, like this piece, for example, it's a dress, but I'm layering it with another piece from the collection, which is a crop top um, for extra support. And uh, all of the items are reversible, so you could both wear it on this shoulder and on this shoulder. That's Sweet. why this pieces together so nicely. And uh, so, yeah, I think that in talking about things, like a lot of people wouldn't know that I made this myself if I didn't talk about it. So yeah. I think that word of mouth is probably the best resource that I have. But I am invested into um, paid advertising and uh, digital ads, but only specifically for my accessories. That's yeah. just a personal choice that I made for my utensil pack and my straw, my reusable straw. That's what I have ads going for. And hopefully in the future, I can actually get some physical ads in like Union Station and the train stations and things like that because my products are on Amazon. So. Saba Shibaka will be talking about branding and growing a brand, especially when you have somebody like Pharrell talking about your brand. That and more coming up as we continue our conversation. on What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how business in the region is keeping us competitive. If you are a D.C. insider and want to know what leaders in other industries are talking about, we give you that insight. So thanks for listening. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. We want perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. Many of our guests have come to us from others who say, Hey, if your show's about people who are really getting things done in the region, you should really be talking to dot, dot, dot. And we love bringing those new voices to our audience. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to What's Working in Washington. And speaking of what's working, we're enjoying spending some time with Saba Shibaka, 
Saba is the CEO and founder of Rendered. Let's get right to your recent endorsement, which is incredible. Tell us about how, uh, what was the prize structure, how you met Pharrell Williams, what happened, and kind of what was the outcome. And we have some interesting audio that we can play for our for our listeners about, about what happened. So how, how did this all come about? This amazing opportunity happened at the Something in the Water Festival that happened in D.C. around uh, Independence Ave about three weeks ago. And it was a pull-up and pitch competition that was hosted by Black Girl Ventures and Pharrell's nonprofit, the Black Ambition Prize. And so they decided to have a pull-up and pitch, which is a event where anyone with any business, all you know, black men and women and non-binary people, can just come to the place that they set up their truck. They have three judges, and you have 60 seconds to pitch your business. And I was... I was just telling Chase. 60 seconds. 60 seconds. Tough. But I've watched almost every single episode of Shark Tank. So (laughs) I felt like walking into that situation, I was basically as prepared as possible. I also prayed. That was very important. And I asked my friends and family to pray for me as well. So I was the very last person to go in the first round. And you have three judges. And basically, if you get three thumbs up, you automatically get $500 and you get to move on to the second round. Cool. And so I did get three thumbs up. And I did get to move on to the second round, which happened about an hour later. Round two, you have about three minutes, I believe, to pitch your business. Uh, to Hours of time to describe. <laughs> Comparably, definitely. <Yeah. laughs> it was way more, way more time. I, I started talking about all types of stuff in that second round. But um, <laughs> it was uh, the grand prize was $10,000. So I felt like I had to just talk about my vision for the company. And so that's what I did. And in the future for my company, I do want to build out a digital media platform where I'm able to teach people how to sew their own clothes. Yeah. And so that's what I got to talk about. Um, And so, you know, trying to explain to people in a short amount of time how I both sell accessories that are utensils and straws and also make custom clothes. um, It's kind of hard to land in just a short amount of time. Plus, there's a whole bunch of other people that were also pitching. There were seven people that pitched their business for three minutes. So... Um, by the end of the time, I was just happy, very thankful to have had the opportunity, even made it past the first round. And then uh, after everyone pitched in the second round, they said, we need a couple minutes for deliberation. And then they came back and they said, before we announce the winners, we're going to give you a chance to pitch your business to Pharrell Williams. And I now, said, now, was he there during the first two he rounds? He was not. He had just walked up at the same moment Hello. that we were talking about this. Yeah. Kick, kicked up the, 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 uh, the, the effort a little notch. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, literally. And it's so crazy, the situation that I was in. I had actually just sold my last two utensil packs to someone in the crowd like um, because the people were hearing my pitch and they were interested. I was telling everyone you could buy my product on Amazon, encouraging people to buy my product on Amazon. If people want to support, that's how they can support by buying my product on Amazon. You just search up rendered utensil set, and I'm right there. But I also had them in person, so I had sold my last two to someone I was talking to. And then I saw Pharrell walk up, and I said, hold on, hold on. And I yeah. went and I found the person that I sold it to. I said, I, Can I, I, I need those back. back. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to need those back. <laughs> I'll give you a refund. I'll pay you for it. But um, So, yeah, I was able to get those back, and um, I was the first person in line to pitch. So they actually said, you have 10 seconds to pitch to Pharrell. And I said, wow. I walked away, got my utensils back, took a second to breathe, and then I came back. They said, you have 20 seconds. And I'm thinking, what's the difference between a 10-second long pitch and a 20-second long pitch? I really don't know. I don't. But I'm just going to try my hardest, and um, that's what I did. So I just 
let my product speak for themselves. This is what the product looks like. It's a utensil set that includes a fork, spoon, and chopstick. There are labels on the front that are custom designed by myself and renders in-house designers. And all of the utensils are made out of wheat straw, so it's 100% compostable. Got it. And, so, and yes, here I'm, I am now holding one. It's radio, so you can't see what I'm doing, but sorry. I am holding this wheat straw. Wow, that looks very, very strong and uh, quite usable. Yeah. So you showed Pharrell and team this product or this, this, this kit. Yeah. Then what happened? And I also gave him a pair of shorts that I made, um, custom-made shorts. That's what I was specializing in at the time. And um, I just placed it in front of him, and I said, that's for you. And I went back around to the microphone, did a short 10, 15-second long pitch, and that was that was it. That was my interaction. From there, everyone else pitched after me. Six more people pitched yep. uh, for 20 seconds. And then they announced the winners, first, second, and third place. Um, they, they announced first, third place, then second. And then after the second, before the first, they said, Pharrell actually requested that we give Saba a prize um, for Rendered. And I was so shocked. <laughs> All I could say was, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and um, I went up and I hugged him. And I said, I have straws too, <laughs> because I wasn't able to show him my straw at the, in the pitch. It was such a short amount of time. Yep. And he said, really? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm going to get you one. And so we took some pictures and, yeah, I gave him a hug and I just went now back we into have, the crowd. We have some audio from that when Pharrell is talking to the assembled crowd about this process and about your award and stuff like that. So let's, uh, I'll, I'll warn our listeners it's, you know, it's, it's noisy. The audio is noisy. But the voice you're about to hear is the one, the only, Pharrell Williams talking about Saba and uh, this, this whole process. I encourage all of you to keep this entrepreneurial spirit going. Um, this, is, this is how we change the paradigm. This is how we shift the culture. This is how we uh, create generational wealth. And, and it's not just your ideas. It's the connected tissue between you all. Wow, Pharrell Williams saying some pretty powerful stuff about the market, about sustainability, about scalability, about wealth creation. Uh, these are the hot topics in venture capital for both traditionally underfunded audiences, uh, black entrepreneurs, et cetera. It must have been quite a moment for you, a big, big moment for you guys at, at Rendered. It was, yeah, one of the best experiences of my life, just made me think of my business in ways that I have never before. Right now, I feel like the opportunities are endless and the potential is endless. I'm coming up on four years this October, so and I'm having a party for my business, um, a business birthday party. I'm just excited. I know yeah. that there's a lot of people supporting me. So so let's, let's go into the business itself and kind of what are some next steps that you see uh, going forward, for, obviously, companies need financing. So what what are some ways that you see financing in, in, in your future? What are some some sources of capital you may tap into? Honestly, how the numbers go, sales are the most important thing. So I make sure to have a product that people want to buy and everyone can buy. And so that's why my utensil packs right here are my bread and butter, because people can use this every day and my customers do use it every day. Um, but aside from my actual sales, I am starting a crowdfunding round for friends, families, and colleagues. So Which platform do you plan to use? I'm between two right now. I may use 
I fund um, black founders. That's my number one. But then there's also, there's a woman-based uh, platform that I'm thinking about, like okay. SheRays. I think that they might have a new new name, but that's, um, I'm between those two because I definitely know that crowdfunding is hard. It takes a lot of calls, texts, emails, but I have a large network. I have more than 600 people signed up for emails for, for rendered that I've grown over the last four years, ever since I've been tabling. So I know it'll be possible and Great. that's going to start this October and it'll probably be for around three months until December. So I'm just trying to, you know, get in contact with as many people as possible. So as we, as we get near the end of our time together, Saba, tell, uh, tell our listeners where they can learn more about you on the web with your personal website and where they can learn more about Rendered. I do have a personal website that everyone can check out everything about me, my businesses, and my work in activism, sabaspeaking.com. Saba, S-A-B-A, sabaspeaking.com. And, and on Instagram, you can find me at Celestial Saba. And my brand, my brand's Instagram name is at Rendered Inc. And our website is renderedinc.shop. Visit our website, get some utensils, reusable utensils, reusable straws, and custom apparel like dresses and shorts. All of that is available on our website. All right, Saba, we ask all of our guests the semi-gotcha question at the end. If you ruled the world, if you were in charge of everything for some period of time, what would you want to have happen, start happening? Or potentially, and or, what would you want to stop happening? can be small, big, medium-sized, whatever you want. I want to stop racism across the entire world, not just the country. Uh, I had to flip it on its head. That is something that's holding us back uh, as a country, as far as America, but also as a community. We're not able to unite and come together for the greater good because of racism right now. What I would add or what I would bring, because that's the second part, I would start entrepreneurship and classes about ownership happening not just at the college level, but also in the middle and high school level to encourage young students to build their own businesses and also, you know, just create general wealth, generational wealth for their families. Controlling their own destiny. Well, Saba, thank you so much. Those are two tremendous answers. It's Saba Shibaka. She is the founder and CEO of Rendered. You can find more about her at sabaspeaking.com and also at renderedinc.shop. www.renderedinc.shop. Saba, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thanks for listening. You know, I often find myself wondering, what's great about Washington, D.C.? And then I'm reminded about our business, our government, our arts, our not-for-profits, our education arenas. All are fantastic and special, not only to our nation, but really to the world. I'm glad I live here. I hope you are, too. And I hope that our show continues to give you some enlightenment, some information, some actionable intelligence, and hopefully some enthusiasm about what works in Washington, D.C. So once again, thanks for listening. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by The Sunbathing. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.